I don't want to be all doom and gloom here, but the reality is that we have a challenge when it comes to teacher recruitment, school leader recruitment, and then even retention, which is a whole another aspect of the, the hiring process and onboarding team members. And if I'm honest, many of the schools that I see out there are going through the hiring process haphazardly and not putting the intention uh, in focus that it deserves. Lucky for you, today I'm joined by the founders of the Schoolhouse 302, and we discuss their just incredible work around thinking about how to attract magnetic talent and onboard them on, in the right way uh, and mentor and continue to pour into them so that they don't want to leave your school, or your district, right? Uh, and so that, that gets into the retention piece. So I'm super excited to bring this conversation to you. Hey, it's Daniel, and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, those out-of-the-box leaders making change happen in education. And we'll be right back after these messages from our show sponsors. Deliver on your school's vision with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Learn from Harvard Business and Education School faculty in self-paced online professional development specifically designed for pre-K through 12 school leaders. Courses include leading change, leading schools, leading people, and leading learning. Apply now for our June and July cohorts at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash Harvard. That's betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash Harvard. Better Leaders, Better Schools is brought to you by school leaders like Principal Gutierrez using TeachFX. Special populations benefit the most from verbally engaging in class, but get far fewer opportunities to do so than their peers, especially in virtual classes. TeachFX measures verbal engagement automatically in virtual or in-person classes to help schools and teachers address these issues of equity during COVID. Learn more and get a special offer from Better Leaders, Better Schools listeners at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at OrganizeBinder.com. Dr. Joseph Jones is the superintendent in the Newcastle County Vocational Technical School District. Dr. T.J. Vary is the assistant superintendent of secondary schools and district operations in the Apoquinamink School District. Dr. Jones and Dr. Vary, along with Salome Thomas L., are co-authors of the new book, Retention for a Change, Motivate, Inspire, and Energize Your School Culture. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you, Danny. Great to be here. Truly appreciate those kind words. Um, I don't know how true they are, but uh, we certainly appreciate them. Yeah, thanks, Danny. Thanks for having us on the show again. All right. And I know uh, we're here to talk about Retention for a Change, your new book. 
Um, and I want to do just a, a quick riff. There's a, <laughs> I know sometimes, uh, TJ, this might not be your favorite guy, Joe Polish, right? But <laughs> he has this thing called the eight profit activators that he made with, um, uh, Dean Jackson and they call it breakthrough DNA, but it actually applies, I believe to this book, uh, because it has me think about better leaders, better schools in terms of not just one organization, but a before during and after unit of the business. And as I was digging into your uh, content in the new book, I came across the uh, BDA R3 model. And uh, I think it's kind of similar and very interesting because uh, when we're, when we're talking culture, when we're talking hiring and all this kind of stuff, it's not just you make the hire and it's done. There's so much more to it. So I think that's where I want to invite you into the conversation and just hear you both riff on the BDA R3 model. I can get us started, Joe. The original, the original concept was a single book. um, And it started with building a winning team. And so we wrote building a winning team and actually retention for a change simultaneously And we at one point had the idea of publishing them as one book. So I'll get into the BDA here in just a second, but, but then we broke them up into, you know, the first book is building a winning team. The second book is retention for a change. You don't need to read one before the other. You can read them separately. There there are really three concepts. Building a winning team addresses the magnetic reputation that you need on your work for your school, for your workforce. Um, And then also the recruitment strategies that we need to have typically in schools, when we have a vacancy, we just post a vacancy. And well, you know, our central argument is that that's not going to help you build the winning team, the top talent, the, um, you know, the awesome school that you want. And so the BDA is reputation and then recruiting and then retention. Um, And that's the R3. in terms of, you know, what we say leaders need to do in their thinking before, during, and after a vacancy, instead of just what happens in the vacancy, right? And so it's telling your story, it's um, the recruiting and hiring strategies, and then retention for a change really addresses how to keep people on the team and build them up. And we do that through what we call our three retention accelerators motivation, inspiration, and energy. I don't know if Joe wants to add anything to that, but that's where that BDA R3 came from. No, that's a great description, TJ. And I would just add, you know, too often, Danny, when we think about hiring, we put all of our effort into the posting and then the process. But that's short of really the complete picture. And so we want to start thinking about this well before a posting ever occurs. What's the story that you're telling? And so that's how we're attracting people. That's building what TJ just mentioned, your reputation. That is really how you attract people. The initial posting of a position, if you're waiting for that posting to really draw individuals, then that's too late. You're already behind. And so with the BDAR3, it's really trying to get everyone to focus on, you know, really the holistic approach to hiring 
And it starts way before posting and it doesn't end after that approval from the board or whomever of saying, yes, thank you. Thank you. And welcome to the team. After that, we have to then really scaffold and create supports that help onboard that person. So we fall short very often by attracting the right individuals to our schools And then we fail at the other side of it when we simply just don't support them. And so that's what this model attempts to achieve is giving everyone a full lens on how to truly attract and truly support um, the rock stars we're all looking for. So I hear what you're saying. You know, the posting is not going to do the job itself. Uh, You got to start thinking about it way before the vacancy um, and I heard you say, I think it was you, Joe, uh, that that story is a part of this, right? Uh, in terms of attracting top talent. And I don't know if you want to share maybe from from your district's point of view or or uh, a, another school or district that's doing it well that you see in terms of the story to attract the right kind of people. Um, but I get it. I get it conceptually. And I'd love to try to make it practical for the ruckus maker listening what might that story or an effective story look like? A hundred percent. And so one thing, Danny, is we have to leverage probably the easiest tool schools and districts have, which is social media. It's out there. We have to embrace it. There's no doubt there's things we have to be wary of and that we have to have processes and, and programs in place to make sure that people understand how to use it productively. Um, but once that's established, Schools can really run with this. So, you know, when I took over as superintendent of Newcastle County Votech, we're a career and technical education district. Our whole premise is employability, getting our students equipped with the skills necessary to go into the workforce, whatever that may be, whether it's allied health, whether it's tech, whether it's traditional trades like construction. So we created the hashtag NCCVTWorks which is layered. And you'll see that everywhere within our district. And not only does that mean that what we do works when what we're trying to do within the community with our students and support Newcastle County, the state of Delaware and the Delmarva region, but also that, you know, our students work, you know, even throughout COVID, our students work. So how do we now really make this practical? Well, every time we post something and take advantage of social media, we have first responders that are 17 and 18 years old. So throughout COVID, they've been working. Shame on us as a school district if we're not celebrating those first responders who are also young, who are also just learning their way in the world, but are learning how to use what they've developed in the classroom, those skills in the field. And for us, we often say, One hour in the field is worth 20 hours in the classroom. So by their senior year, we want them in the field working. So very practical. We have a hashtag that emphasizes really our vision and mission as a district. And then we try to push those stories out as much as possible. So early on in COVID last year, we've been pushing out our first responders, kids, whether it's EMS, whether it's our nurse tech students, But recently, we just heavily push out a great story 
a 2008 Del Castle graduate on one of our four high schools um, of the chem lab program is now a pharmacist at Rite Aid. We partnered um, with Rite Aid to run vaccination events for our students and our families. So that gentleman who graduated in 08 had not stepped back into our gymnasium since then is now running in the lead pharmacist of this vaccination clinic. And that day they vaccinated, I think, well, you know, over 150 students or family members of the Del Castle and Howard High School community. We have to push that out. It's an incredible story, but it's a great example of how NCCVT works. And so people, I think, want to be a part of that. We want to attract people who want to contribute to these students' success, who eventually give back in the community. You know, we'll hear and see global citizenship on every vision statement, you know, in America. We would like to think um, that we're doing that every day. And we got to let people know how we're actually doing it. Yeah, it's a great story. I had a huge smile on my face and uh, I think I'm unemployable, so I'm not going to uh, put my hat in the ring. But uh, if I if I was looking for a position, I'd want to I want to work there because what you were sharing there, that's what it's about. It's real. It's authentic. Uh, you're making the, the change happen and, and uh, students and former students are, are uh, engaged at such a high level. It's, it's, it's fantastic. So thank you for taking us there. TJ, you mentioned earlier, you know, the three uh, retention accelerators. So I want to go back to that just because as Joe was talking about sort of the before area, you know, and story, how to attract people to you. Uh, we don't do enough to keep the great people in our districts. I think Maybe just we get lazy and take it for granted. I'm sure you have some opinions and thoughts on that, but also give us give us something practical too, retention wise that the ruckus maker listening can use. Sure thing, Danny. I mean, the motivate, inspire, and energize part is really um, a lot about the psychology of the workplace. So we did a ton of research when we wrote these two books, and. You know, there's there's aspects of people in terms of being actively disengaged at work. The opposite of that is discretionary effort, whereby people have effort that they can put into their work, but they don't because it's not necessary. But when they are motivated, inspired and energized by their work, they respond in a totally different way. So just a couple of of simple things. One, the concept of micro-credentialing is growing legs. That's good. But any school leader can do something around micro-credentialing in the, in the school itself at a very small scale. Um, even getting Google certificates and there's a Google coaching certificate. Lots of these things are free, but investing in people is such an underutilized strategy by leaders in terms of taking a portion of our, our budget and investing in, in professional development. I mean, it's a core value that I know you hold, right? Through Better Leaders, Better Schools and through the mastermind. It's there's specific buckets of money who are allocated for this. And I think a lot of times teachers don't feel like the school or the school leader is invested in their development. Um, we need to survey people and find out what they want to learn, how they want to learn best, 
professional development can't just be a concept that we have these days that we use each year and that everybody gets the same thing. It needs to be differentiated. It's not hard to do that, right? Make a list of all your staff members, come up with some specialized training that they're very interested in, figure out how you can afford to do that um, maybe over time and invest in the people. So that's a, that's a, that's one aspect of, of motivation, inspiration, and energy that retains people. People feel like the, the place has a, um, some ownership over their leadership and development. Another thing we also mentioned in the, in the book is um, philanthropy, generosity, and giving back. Uh, schools have a greater purpose. They certainly did during COVID, but the schools that we have found that were retaining top talent and attracting top talent were able to tell a story about how they gave back to the community. So I know Joe didn't couch his story in that part, but those kids that he mentioned, they're giving back to the community and that feels good, right? That energizes and inspires people and makes it so they feel a part of something that's far bigger than just teaching and learning. And I, I, I don't mean that as just teaching and learning. That's a big deal, right? That's a major purpose of our schools. But if we want a quality organization, a quality culture, we have to um, make sure that people understand the greater value that they're, the contribution that they're making to the world, not just to, you know, their classroom. So I hope that that gives leaders out there some, some practical tips. If you're a school leader, invest in your people, and find a way to invest in the community. And that builds a culture where people aren't going to want to go anywhere. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. And, you know, calling them to something bigger, uh, the, the inspiration, you know, what Simon Sinek probably would call a just cause after reading the infinite game, you know, I crafted that for um, better leaders, better schools. And it's to connect, grow and mentor every school leader that wants to level up. That's like, that fires me up. That's an inspirational goal to be working toward probably ultimately unachievable because it's every school leader. And, and uh, I find that motivating. And the other part that I love about my just cause is that I can't do it alone. So like creating a podcast with the schoolhouse 302, you, you guys, like this is living out that just cause. So thank you, you know, for allowing me to do that. You know, I think one of the mistakes that we often make as school leaders, some people have this mindset and it is not helpful. It's, 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 it's just silly, but they say stuff like that's their job, right? They're a professional. They're getting a paycheck. They just need to do it. And, and I believe your book argues, you know, we, we should shift away from what you call an employee mindset and move toward a membership mindset. Uh, so I'd like to invite, you know, maybe Joe, you can riff on what that's all about, that membership versus employee mindset. Yeah, we always talk about what we dubbed as a, a membership mentality. And truthfully, with this membership mentality, it's it's do people feel a part of this? Do they belong? Is this something that they believe in? Do they see the value in their work? And ultimately, you know, education, this can even sound maybe a little, little ridiculous, but it is a calling, you know, and we don't say that lightly. I mean, dealing with students at any grade level can be challenging. And so when you shift from this idea of, or within a membership mentality, we also want you to embrace what we do, we call a learning culture. So within this learning culture, 
everything is about growth. Everything is about us developing ourselves so we can serve our students better, that we can produce, you know, students that can make meaningful contributions um, into society. So, you know, how do we do this? We want to really develop levels of intrinsic empowerment within our students, within our teachers that really can develop and grow. And whenever they feel a part of something, that purpose is what anchors everyone to really um, be successful. And Danny, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that, you know, there's a lot of highs and lows, you know, a part of education. There are tough days. There are days when things don't go well. And so, when you are really trying to educate students, yet sometimes like throughout COVID, they're remote, they're disengaged, um, they've, they've experienced trauma in one form or another. You know, it's not like people are just coming to us and you're filling a cup. That is uh, one of the biggest mistakes regarding education. We're developing people. But I will say, the more people recognize this overall purpose and the contribution, the more apt they are to learn and grow, and the more apt they are to do whatever it takes to help our students succeed. And that's what we want to cultivate in our schools, ultimately. Brilliant. Well, we're going to pause here just for a short moment and get a message in from our sponsors. And then when we come back, I'd love to hear a bit about your mentoring programs. Get professional development without leaving your home. Harvard's online certificate in school management and leadership helps you establish your legacy and deliver on your vision for your learning community. Learn from Harvard faculty as you examine case studies of leaders in education and business. Since 2018, we're proud to have served 4,450 plus school leaders from over 120 countries. We are honored to welcome you to our June and July cohorts. You can apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash Harvard. That's betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash Harvard. Are you automatically tracking online student participation data during COVID? Innovative school leaders across the country have started tracking online student participation using TeachFX because it's one of the most powerful ways to improve student outcomes during COVID, especially for English learners and students of color. Learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. Today's show is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder develops the skills and habits all students need for success. During these uncertain times of distance learning and hybrid education settings, Organized Binder equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning routines so that all students have an opportunity to succeed, whether at home or in the classroom. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. All right, and we're back with Dr. Joseph Jones and Dr. T.J. Berry, and they are the founders of the Schoolhouse 302. They have a new book out, which I highly recommend that ruckus makers pick up right now. It's called Retention for a Change, Motivate, Inspire, and Energize Your School Culture. They have been giving so much value already through this show and practical things that you can do to really level up your, your culture, how you 
attract people to your building and district, how you retain them. And uh, I mentioned before the break, you know, I wanted to hear about these, your ideas around mentoring programs, because that's, that's an important piece. And, and sometimes that, if we're honest, just gets mailed in, you know, and maybe it's, yeah, loosely defined. And who knows if teachers are even meeting with their mentors or, you know, principals and all this kind of stuff. So anyways, TJ, uh, I'd love to invite you to talk a bit about the mentoring programs. Sure thing, Danny. So like um, we talk about onboarding as like a critical aspect and, and a major fail when it's not done well, bringing people on board. It's not just about getting them to sign the paperwork and come to work on the first day or even go to the new teacher um, orientation program. Those are all, you know, obviously important things. In the book, we bring up a concept called mentoring teams where groups of people come together to talk about new folks to the school. And regardless of whether the state or the district has a formal mentoring process, that the school itself creates an informal mentoring process. And one of the things we say in the book, I think explicitly we call out the fact that when leaders don't have quality mentors, it's not likely that they're going to be programming for quality mentorship at the teacher level. So if you're out there and you support leaders, make sure all of your leaders have informal and formal mentors. And that doesn't stop at one, two, and three years, right? We need people in groups. We need people to have uh, in-district, out-of-district mentors for the work that we're doing. We need our school leaders to be to be mentored. But beyond that, the teacher, the teachers should have mentors um, at the beginning, middle, and end stages of their career. And we also point to the fact that being a mentor is really good mentorship in itself and shouldn't be reserved for people with 10, 15, 20 years of experience. Sometimes our best mentors for our newest teachers can be people in their third, fourth, and fifth year of experience, especially if you know they've been at our school for a couple of years and they know the ropes, but they also remember what it's like to be brand new and the things that are associated with that. So, I mean, layers and layers upon layers of, of mentorship is super important for people to become acclimated to the culture, which we call out in the book, but then also supported within the culture as they either receive mentoring or provide it. And I, I want to add to it, you know, don't take yourself out of the race or discount the value you can create for others. And so my, my quick story, I was on a, a friend, you, you might know him, uh, Dr. Chris Jones, and uh, he has a new show called I'm um, Seeing to Lead. Uh, and so I joined him over there. We had an awesome time, great conversation. And uh, I put out my cell phone number, like way, ways to connect with me, right? And so I got a text from uh, this, this wonderful human being, Mallory, who I hadn't talked to, I don't know, maybe five, at least five years, maybe 10. But she reached out and then we had a long conversation for like an hour about her uh, doctoral work and all this stuff. But the connecting of the dots here is that I forgot that I led a workshop, right? So it wasn't mentorship, but I was leading a workshop. And she was so impressed and moved and inspired by what I was teaching, you know, in this small workshop uh, that it stayed with her forever. And she just wanted to thank me for that from way back when. And the funny thing is, is that I had no idea what I was teaching, right? Like I was just trying to stay one chapter ahead of everybody else because uh, 
one of the directors, you know, of English, whatever in the district, they wanted me to teach on writing workshop, which I had never used before as a teacher. So I had to figure out what it was and then start learning and applying it. Um, but if I would have said to myself, you're not an expert, you haven't been doing this for a decade, what value do you have? That moment that Mallory wanted to thank me a decade later for creating never would have happened, right? And so that's what I'm hearing you say, um, TJ, too, that mentors can come from all shapes and sizes and years of experience. And so uh, just show up. You can create incredible value. So thank you for allowing me to share that. You have something in the book, Joe, called Technical Tips. Uh, I don't know if this is putting you on the spot, but just curious, like, was there a was there a favorite technical tip or can you talk broadly about, you know, what that's about in terms of the structure of the book? I think whenever TJ and I write, just generally speaking, you know, we try to do, you know, the what and the how, you know, and, and I think this is where practitioners lie. And I think this is why our books have resonated with people and, and how we like some of the books that we read and why it revolves around not only, you know, why it's important, what it's all about, but then how can I actually use it? How can I actually implement it? Um, so through that, I would say my favorite technical tip is own it. And um, I, that one resonates if you've had the, if you've been able to read Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and one other gentleman, apologize, the name's slipping me right now. The, uh, he, he describes this whole scenario and they're in the Malab district of Ramadi in Iraq. And listen, nothing we face on a day-to-day basis is anything like um, he's describing in this story. And so when he gets done, though, the ownness of everything falls on him. And so I think when TJ and I were writing this and we really wanted to talk about, you know, where all of this rises and falls on the leaner, we the leader we talked about own it. So owning it really means you operationalize, you wrestle with something, you nurture it, then you influence, and then you build in trust. And so, you know, through the book, we talk about this, but the idea is that for us to retain top top talent, we need to build an environment that really um, starts to support people. And are we taking full ownership of every aspect of that. And as a leader, we become sometimes more and more distant from the the ground floor and all the work going on. So you have to build mechanisms that you have um, opportunities to know really what's going on. The last thing you want is to be disenfranchised from the actual work. And in this book, Extreme Ownership, they really, you know, harp on that. And that was a, a major point Um, that resonated with us and that we wanted to really extrapolate and demonstrate a way that uh, teachers can feel support. And this is the best way leaders um, can build this, technically speaking, within the structure of their school and make sure that they're getting the feedback necessary to make sure it's actually occurring. The distance between the position and the person um, sometimes is too great. And that is what builds disconnect within that disconnect grows at times um, animosity or or uncertainty, both cripple morale. And that's what we're trying to make sure does not happen. I'd love for uh, both of you to chime in quickly as we're sort of 
rounding out this conversation, but what was your, what was your hope and what's your why for this most recent book? I think our, obviously our, our why for retention and building a winning team is that we believe deeply in the educational system and we want um, leaders to have the tools that uh, will build a culture in every school that can make it the best that it can be. Right. It's a law of the lid. Nothing rises above the capacity of the leader. And so when you build the leader's capacity to do great things, um, we're going to have great cultures in schools. And that goes down at the student level. We also know that, you know, hiring practices, they fall by the wayside, especially since there's a hiring season in schools. There's all this swapping in between schools of of teachers and leaders. And so it's technically um, somewhat of an afterthought, but we think it's the, you know, it's the key strategy to making sure that you have a winning culture is the way that we bring people into it and the way that we support them. So I think that's our, you know, I think that's one of our, our whys um, behind writing these books and, and just really supporting school leaders and hoping that they get the tools and, and tips and, and tactics, I would say, of the business world. And that's where I'll kind of end is that almost all of our research, and we've been criticized for this actually, is, is from businesses. And so we, we wrote uh, Candid and Compassionate Feedback. A lot of that research about feedback is from the business world. We know that schools aren't businesses, but we do have a lot to learn about everything from goal setting to supervision from outside of schools. Joe, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, a couple of things I would definitely add. Um, we're, we're losing great teachers annually. And, you know, these are, these are individuals that are of non-retirement age. Uh, the attrition is just at this point um, what we would consider a major area of concern, if not crisis. So we need to think about why are so many people, and we're talking hundreds of thousands, 8% of the workforce annually are leaving. Um, Linda Darling Hammond, um, Carver Thomas, others have done a lot of work on this. And we appreciate their work because they're putting a mirror up for us and saying, look, what are we going to do about it? So that's one major impetus for this. The second major impetus is we also know that great teachers matter. We know that the data is clear. Um, I believe it's strong. Um, Ward and Grant have research out there that 30 percentile points on different standardized assessments with a highly effective teacher. So not only do we need to retain teachers, we need to retain highly skilled teachers in the most uh, neediest of schools. And yet that's where we exactly see the deprivation, if you will. And so this book is built on trying to reverse the trend that's occurred since the 1970s that less and less people are going into this profession, we need to attract highly skilled, highly qualified individuals who have a student first mentality and really as a culture, restore the nobility of this profession, um, especially in America. You know, there's just a lot of negativity around American schooling system, 
for whatever reason. We don't get into that. Um, we don't want to admire the problem. Um, we wrote retention for a change along with building a winning team um, to really change that narrative around education in America and hopefully not only attract teachers back into this profession. And we would now say that's from early childhood, pre-K, all the way to 12th grade. Um, And then those that do come in, that we retain them, that we support them, they understand the difference they're making and they feel a part um, of that membership, that they feel a part of all the great things that can be done. I think where I'd like to to end is uh, just touch on the website. I know you've put a ton of work into uh, redesigning it. And I know, I mean, you're already prolific in terms of the books you create, but then there's, there's blogs and newsletters and podcasts, you know, pumping out from the schoolhouse 302. It's, it's, uh, it's admirable to see how much you add to the discussion in education. Um, and then I think you have a, a download too about specific praise of people visit. So yeah, uh, either of you, but anybody want to chime in on the website real quick before we close? Sure. You want to hit on the content a little bit? Sure. Um, Danny, we appreciate you mentioning that. And what we've tried to do is, is give our audience and really the opportunity to develop into a topic each month. And so we know that's how we learn. And, and so we, you know, that's not a, a Joe and TJ uh, thing. This is uh, something that we learned from Benjamin Franklin you, you stay on a specific topic for a period of time and do your best to master it. And so, you know, each month we choose a topic that's very relevant within educational leadership. As TJ mentioned, it's not always education because there's so much we can learn from industry as well, especially under the idea of, of leadership um, itself and that development. Um, but yeah, so we start with the blog post. The blog post is a long form blog, really intent on building the framework for the entire month. Then we interview an expert guest, uh, very similar to this of uh, Better Leaders, uh, uh, Better Schools, and really equipping people with the knowledge and the skills needed. Um, it's why we're such big fans, and we would like to think of ourselves as ruckus makers as well, Danny. Um, but with that, you know, then we can get into the one thing series with the interview and then 302 thoughts, which is just TJ and I basically riffing on on that leadership principle for the week. So in May, we really hit the peak end rule, which is a, a Dan Kahneman principle that people remember how things ended. And even if it was a rough year, COVID, you know, really crushed a lot of efforts this year. There's no doubt people are exhausted. We can still find time to make something very memorable in a positive way at the end of this uh, this month, at the end of this school year. So May was dedicated to that. Um, and then we feature an author. And so we tried to make it very practical this month. And so we focused on Amber Tiemann and Melinda Miller and their book, Lead with Appreciation. So we feature Kahneman's work and then try to bring it down to the practical with someone like um, Amber and Melinda and their book, Lead with Appreciation. So hopefully our, our audience enjoys that. By the end of the month, we truly hope they're an expert on ending on a high note and learning how to lift their organization with very practical and uh, specific strategic ways to do so. 
TJ, I'm going to invite you to have the last word. And Joe, thanks for talking about just all the great work you're doing uh, at the schoolhouse302.com. Get their books, right? Get their books, uh, sign up for the newsletter, engage with their content because it will transform you as a leader and you will level up. Uh, but TJ, I know you, you speak and I know you guys have goals in terms of coming and facilitating and speaking. Um, so just with the last word, paint a picture of how you might come in and uh, serve a district, you know, because that's that's a level deeper, right, than what you're already doing. Thank you for that, Danny. So our books are set up almost like professional development models. So you mentioned the technical tips. We have stories, embedded, practical tools for for leaders to use. What Joe talked about with that, um, with our blog, is every month on the blog in that long form, we start with a model. It's a mental model about how people can put you know, concepts, theories into action in their schools. It could be a business theory. It could be educational theory. But a lot of times those theories are, are housed in books on shelves. Our books and our blog is meant to break that down. So we do professional development on any number of our, our blogs. We're called in the school districts. We'll do a half day, a full day, an institute for several days, a one hour. Um, and so we do that throughout the country um, and even into into. Canada, especially now since a lot of things have been virtual, we run master classes on the topics of our books. And then finally, we do work on um, a full contract basis with some school districts where we push into their leadership teams and we de- develop capacity on leadership teams, whether that be administrators or, or teacher leaders. And we have a number of things that we do to build um, capacity uh, for principals and assistant principals and for them to build the capacity of their teacher leaders to support this concept that we've been talking about, which is a positive school culture. So thank you for allowing us to, um, to share that. I will say too, uh, we've been talking a lot about retention for a change, Danny, but we want you to be able to give away a copy of uh, building a winning team. So however you would like to do that, we would like to send um, a lucky winner of your listeners a copy of Billion Winning Team so you can decide how you want to make that happen. And again, thank you for having us on the show, for promoting our our work, but also for helping to uh, make for better leadership and better school cultures out there in the world. It really does mean something to us. Cool. So here's how to get that book, Building a Winning Team. I want a ruckus maker listening, the first one, to write in and subject line could be just building a winning team. And I want you to share your your number one insight from this conversation that I had with uh, Joe and TJ. So whatever your number one insight is, maybe, just maybe, if somebody also uh, shoots a video, 90 seconds or less, talking about uh, their biggest insight, they might get another book, Building a Winning Team, from me. So there's two ways to win. Be the first and then be bold and, and do a video. Uh, Thanks, guys, for joining me on the show and keep making a ruckus. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. 
You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.